Hey, everyone. It is, uh, I think, either Chip or Ken's third favorite guest host, Kieran Turner, for I Love Rock and Roll podcast. I am really excited to be back, although the news is sad. We are here to talk about the life, career, and recent passing of singer, actress, Academy Award winner, Grammy Award winner, and most importantly, winner of week four of the reality TV game show, Hit Me Baby One More Time, <laughs> Irene Cara. Joining me are the usual co-hosts of I Love Rock and Roll, Chip Chantry and Ken Krantz, who very kindly asked me to come on and host this very special episode. Ken, Chip, how are you? It's always great to see and speak with you again. Always great. And let me, let me, Claire, you are our first favorite guest co-host. Oh, well, thank you. And, 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 and I think we even established not even, he might not even be on the list because it's just, he's like the third host. You know <laughs> I mean? Like, I think, I think I said the third Beatle last time and that's what he's, <laughs> he's not even, a, yeah, he's not. A guest. I'm the thank third you. member of Dawn. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. By the way, here's, here's how I found out Irene Cara was a gay icon. Because I didn't know. I just was sitting on my couch. When did the news come? Was it Friday or Saturday morning? Saturday, I think. Saturday so. morning. I'm sitting on my couch. I just finished reading uh, that she had passed away. And a second later, I get a text from Kieran that just said, Irene Cara died. And um, then I was like, oh, uh, Kieran must want must to talk about Irene. And then I said, oh, Irene must be a gay icon. That's how. You know, I, I don't I wouldn't call her a gay icon. I if anything, I would say that Irene is probably responsible for more gay men of a certain age realizing that they're gay because when you watch her nude scene in fame, the it's it's so traumatizing that she takes her top off and you're like oh yeah no i'm not attracted to that no 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 no, no, no. that is not for me nope nope oh, oh i okay i must be gay um, and that is a horrific scene like just all around like i remember being a child watching that and and thinking like and not you know because it's like that funny thing where i think i think like the first like naked lady i saw was probably uh beverly d'angelo in vacation mm -hmm. the shower wow. scene you know it's like yeah. and it was almost like a funny thing like we were so my brother and i were so young and our friends were so young it was kind of like a joke it's like ah naked lady and then i remember seeing that scene and being like oh she's she's not happy about this at all like even yeah. at, at that young yeah walk yeah, me no, i don't no. I don't remember the movie. I've not seen the movie probably since I'm 10. I was going to rewatch it for this episode, but then I was like, why bother? She probably doesn't get naked. Um, and she does. But now and you're you, telling you me she does, but you're saying it's horrific. So walk, walk me through why it was horrific. Um, have you ever heard of the phrase 70s titties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cousin of 70s Bush, I know, which is. Uh, well, it, Irene is sort of 70s titties adjacent. Um, she's they're natural. They're not too big. Um, but 
combine them in a freak science experiment with the old Playboy cartoon of the old grandma who's like really horny. Do you ever see the the Playboy cartoon of the of the old naked lady? I don't know and if I remember. She, she, she's she's like the old lady from the Hallmark cards, but way worse. Yeah, and <laughs> and her boobs are like banana shaped. And I I just I had never seen boobs hang that way before. Well, and just the whole impetus of the scene too. It's yes. not like she's yes. like, hey, we're having fun. Let's whip these yeah. out. It was yeah. it was uh, it was under duress. If I, okay, let, yeah. let me. If I remember, it's been years since I've seen it, but basically like, didn't she like, cause you know, they're in this like performing arts school and she gets this big audition for like a TV show or a movie or something like that. Yeah. And it has to, and so Ken, it's, you know, this is before the internet, it's the seventies or eighties, early eighties, whatever. And she goes to a guy's apartment at night for a screen test, quote unquote. And then he's like, oh yeah, you're doing great. And then he's like, take your shirt off. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's. What's even more shocking about it is that the character of Coco, you know, so far in the film has been seen as this very dynamic and brash and takes no shit uh, personality. I mean, she's she's somebody who you absolutely know can take care of herself and is street smart. And yet she um, she finds herself doing this and she's crying while she's doing it. And he has her put her thumb in her mouth and she, oh. you know, takes the shirt down. And, you know, what's, and, and what's even more traumatic is just that, you know, she's just, it's, it's just, it's not like, you know, I, I mean, they're, they're, they're not, they're not very attractive. Um, and I, and I, I don't want to say that to like, make it sound like I'm, I'm, I'm shitting on her body. You don't want to, you don't want to titty right. shame her. You're, you're, you're painting the yeah. picture. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, and that was one of the, the the brilliant things about that scene, because if you really like look at it, you go, well, why is she doing that? And it's like, oh, of course, you know, that whole thing, the whole movie on has just been such bluster. And really, you know, she's this this vulnerable. She's probably been shit on her entire life by her parents and by, you know, people telling her she was never going to make it and, you know, that she wasn't worth anything. And, um, you know, it's, it's really effective. And she was actually, you know, quite a good actress too. I mean, you know, she, she, she had, she started out, I mean, she actually started out on the electric company. Yeah. That was her first role, you know, when she was a little kid, I don't, I didn't see that. Um, she was part of the band, but where I, you know, have a huge affinity for her is the Broadway stuff that she's done, uh, that she did. You know, she she did a lot of flop musicals, and um, and there's a little bit of a Jobriath connection too, because um, she was in the infamous Broadway flop of 1979 called Got to Go Disco which was a disco musical that Jerry Brandt produced. Oh, yeah. I oh, sort of remember hearing about that right. and reading yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, that was one of the ones where, like, they, you know, his partners were wanting to sue him for, you know, for, for, for fraud. And, you know, they everybody accused it of being a money laundering thing. And um, but Irene was in that. But Irene was also in a huge flop called Via Galactica. Um, which was a space musical uh, that played at the Eurus Theater, which is now, I believe, the Gershwin. And the original title of the musical was Up. 
And they decided to change it because when they put the marquee up, it read up Uris. <laughs> and they decided very quickly that they were going to change the name of the musical to Via Galactica. It didn't help them. They think it closed in like a week. But they and, were and all- Karen, I'm sorry. I you, I lost you for a few seconds. Uh, I, I think you said I, I could be wrong. You said that that musical was one of the very famous 1970s space musicals, right? Yeah. Is that oh, what yeah, you yeah, would yeah, say? OK, I lost you. For, I, th- I thought you said it was. Yeah. OK, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, you were. You're in and out, but I just want to make sure. So it was a big, it was a big, one of those successful space musicals that you, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that there, we hear there were, about. There were a few, uh, okay. none of them yeah. were, were, were terribly big hits, but uh, believe it or not, people saw uh, Via Galactica and thought, maybe if we tried again, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. Just, maybe it really was the title. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. There was another one called Soon. I believe Richard Gere was in both of them. Oh, um, God. Like on Broadway. Yeah, on Broadway, and that's Richard Gere was a Richard Gere was a Broadway guy. Yeah, yeah, Richard uh, Richard was in the chorus of a lot of uh, shows, and I think he also did a stint in Greece, but I don't know if it was Broadway or if it was on tour. Oh well, but, he was in Chicago, wasn't he? The movie, yeah, right? yeah, 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 right. yeah. Um, which is another Joe Bryant connection because. Um, if you uh, there's that scene in Joe Bryant AD where he's recording his first album and you see everybody, you know, in the background doing the backing vocals yeah, and, and you're is there. And that's, that's because right. Richard was doing, I think, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar at the time. And, you know, Joe Bryant just asked a bunch of people who were doing shows then to come after the show and record. So I'm actually kind of surprised Irene wasn't part of that because Vicky Sue Robinson was as well. And she was dating Richard at the time. Um, and, uh, Vicky Sue Robinson, who recorded the 1975 hit, Turn the Beat Around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Irene, uh, actually sang back up on that. Um, and if you listen to Turn the Beat Around, you can absolutely hear Irene's voice in the background. She's got a very distinctive voice. Um, and, uh, you can hear that. And then five years later, when they were recording the soundtrack to fame, um, Irene, uh, like, I guess, did a favor for uh, for Vicky Sue and it got Vicky Sue hired to sing background on fame. OK, um, which I always think, like, was that something nice or was it like was Vicky Sue just a complete fucking horrid bitch to her when she was like singing backup for her? And Irene wanted to be like, well, fuck you. Now I'm the star. Yeah, you you're singing back backup, background for me. For me. Yeah. yeah, like Mariah Carey did with Brenda K. Starr. <laughs> Brenda K. Star, who I think had like one hit called I Still Believe, like back in the late 80s, and Mariah Carey sang backup on it before she was famous. And then, you know, Brenda K. Star like never had another hit and I think was like on welfare or public assistance or something like many years later. And Mariah decided she was going to re-record I Still Believe and of course had a huge hit with it. And she called up Brenda K. Star and asked her to come in and sing backup on it. Uh, and you Was know that- Mariah had no altruistic. Uh, no. no. Wow. You know Mariah always the that song. Um, All I want for Christmas is you. Mm-hmm. Is anybody buying that Mariah would just take you for like <laughs> like she wouldn't throw an absolute fucking fit? Like if you walked in with no Christmas presents, right? And you were like, I just brought me this year. I don't exactly. I know I'm getting off topic, but no, I don't even like it when when someone comes for Christmas and all they bring is them. 
Yeah. <laughs> Where's the candy box? Yeah. Mariah has never written the words, your presence is all the presence we need. No. Like, <laughs> n- not once. <laughs> not not once. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, so, 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 so if you could tell me a, a little bit more about Irene Cara, because I don't know anything about I'm just I feel like everybody was all upset about her. And yeah. I'm just out here on my own. I have no idea. What it is. <laughs> I was I was surprised. You see what I did there, I, Ken? Yeah, Ken, do you see what I did I there? Saw. The song that she, Irene Cara sang a song called "Out Here on My." Ken, I Ken, yeah, Irene Cara sang "Out Here on My Own." It's a song from Fame, and then I, what I did was, do you see what I did there? I saw what you did there. Um, can we uh, can we keep going? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna edit that out. Edit yeah, okay. that out. Um, so. Mar- uh, Mariah, listen to me. Boy, I'm sorry, Irene. You, you can't even get first billing in your own Jeez. episode. Um, She's already singing backup. I know, right? Um, so, you know, Irene then, you know, moved into the movies and actually, you know, did a couple of films as uh, as a teenager where she was the lead. Uh, there was a, a Romeo and Juliet in the Barrio story called Aaron mm-hmm. Loves Angela. Um, that kind of gets lumped in with like black exploitation films, but really isn't. Um, and then she was in the original version of Sparkle, which, you know, of course, was remade many years ago uh, with Whitney Houston and Jordan Sparks from American That's Idol. That's where I heard of it from. Yeah. OK. Um, and uh, and she was terrific in it. And Lynette McKee was in it and who was really good. And that that was a film that I think, you know, had had success in the, you know, for black audiences, but didn't necessarily cross over, but has become uh, very much of a, of a cult film since then. So, you know, when she auditioned for fame, you know, she certainly was one of the only people uh, that got chosen who actually had had a career and had a, a length of successes behind her. Um, but she very much credits Alan Parker, who is the director of Fame, you know, for for giving her her career, um, you know, coming in and, and, and playing Coco. And, uh, you know, of course, she did, you know, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress for Comedy or Musical for Fame. And Fame, the single was a huge hit for Irene. Um, and she was, you know, 21 when the movie came out. So you know, she was kind of poised for stardom, but right out of the gate, it kind of didn't happen for her. Not that she never had another success, but um, I don't know, for somebody who had such a good voice and who was attractive and who was, uh, you know, who was more than just a singer, you know, could act. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's like she kind of ran into a lot of different problems. Um and, uh, you know, I will say this, I, I heard for many years, you know, that she had a lot of drug problems, um, that, that cocaine uh, was definitely an issue for her. Um, she actually had been cast in the original production when it was playing off Broadway of Ain't Misbehavin' uh, with Nell Carter and Andre DeShields. Um, that played at the Manhattan Theater Club first. And uh Irene was the 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 young juvenile uh, role, and apparently she was having drug problems then, and wasn't showing up for performances, and got fired. And when the show moved to Broadway, it moved with everybody but Irene. 
Um, so even going back then, it, you know, she had a little bit of of a drug issue. She had a little bit of an attitude issue. Um, and so I think she may have felt that this was something that she had been moving towards her entire career. And instead of necessarily being grateful for it, it was more like, well, of course I'm owed to this or I deserve this. And, you know, how come it, how come it took me till 21 for it to happen? Right. The, the ripe old age. We, I, this is, this is purely anecdotal, but I was working with a comedian the other night who's has been doing comedy probably since the the eighties and the news came out and he was like, Oh yeah, Irene Cara, Cara died. And he, he was, I met her once. He was like, I, you know, I was a big fan. I loved her, you know, fame and everything. And I was, I went up and just said, you know, Oh, Hey, I'm a big fan. And he was like, it, she was the drunkest or highest she's he's ever seen anybody. And like almost kind of like attacked him was, it was like, Oh, you like, you like my singing you. And like, really kind of like was just, um, and it was like one of those things where it's like, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. And then almost regretted it immediately. Well, and how long ago was that? The, the way he was talking, I would say probably 90s. That's that's my okay. guess. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so fame comes out and, you know, she's she's doing well and uh, she's not necessarily getting cast in anything um, at, at this point. She doesn't really do another movie. She records her first full album. Um, strangely enough, you know, I mean, for all the things that she had done um, you know, cast albums and, and you know, been on soundtrack. She had never done a full album prior, uh, you know, until after fame. Right. So I want to I want to say something that I was reading yeah. that um, she, she had she has two singles right on the fame soundtrack. Two singles. Yes. But she sings more than that. Right. Yeah. She was nominated at the Grammys that year for best new artist without ever having released an album. Mm. Was she nominated for for, I, for best? I I'm pretty sure that's what I read. I'll go back um, and no, because that would be great. I mean, I I I you know for some reason I was always so under the impression that she hadn't been nominated. Um, and I remember you know because some because oh god, I mean, I we could do an episode on the Grammys best new artists alone. Oh I yeah, mean, just yeah, that, that would like, actually be a great that episode. Would just be. kind of bank through because there's. <laughs> I mean, it's such a curse. They, they usually yeah. get them right. Such a fucked up category. I, I yeah. mean, honestly, I could go on forever just on that topic. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, um, let, let let us know when you find out, Ken. Yes. Um, and well, and I think wasn't that that so she was nominated for fame for two, like it was like for, for the Oscars for two. No, songs. she didn't write anything in fame. Okay. okay. But, but fame had two best song nominations mm -hmm. uh, for fame and out here on my own. And she fame. sang them both. She was, and she sang against, them both, she right? was nominated yeah. for two Oscars, but she didn't write either. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it's so funny. I was, when I was reading some of the obits uh, over the weekend and, and people's reactions, it, it's so funny to, to read that some people didn't really consider her all that great of a vocalist. And I thought, how can you listen to her voice and, and think that? I mean, listen to Out Here on My Own. It's her and a piano, for Christ's mm -hmm. sakes. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's there's no studio magic there. There's no auto-tune. It's her singing. And it's just, she's got, just she just has the most beautiful voice. Yeah. Um, but it's different. It's sort of, it's like, it's Donna Summer, but... Um, from a really 
kind of like guttural, you know, kind of like scrappy, very kind of like I'm going to make it. Yeah. Kind of, you know, um, you know, because Donna Summer, I mean, I love Donna Summer's voice, but you can really hear the production in mm-hmm. all of Donna Summer's songs. Um, and it, it at a lot of the times it tends to overpower her voice, even though she's got a great voice. With Irene, I, you know, I, I you don't really hear that. Even when she worked with Giorgio Moroder, you know, he was able to let her voice take center stage, um, which a lot of the times he didn't do with Donna, I thought. Um, but uh, so she records this album. I think it was called Anyone Can See. Um, and that came out in 1982. And there were a couple of ballads that came out from it and they were flops. I don't, they didn't even hit the top 40. Um, and, you know, she wasn't, you know, it, it, she just wasn't able to, to replicate the success of, uh, of what she had done with fame. And already, you know, she was kind of seen as, if not a has-been, as somebody that wasn't able to really parlay the success. Um, and, and let me ask you this real quick, because yeah. remind me, did you grow up in New York or no? No, I didn't. Okay. I did, but I, I, I went to New York a lot as a kid. Okay. Yeah, you would, you so would like was, vacation there, right? Well, it wasn't vacation. I was, I would work there and go up and, and stay with family. Like if I, you know, if, if I was doing a commercial or if I was doing soap or, or, or what I was working on. So there were a lot of times where I would, you know, be there for a summer or for a few weeks or what have you. Now I, I remember being, my mom was a big musical fan. So there's always musicals yeah. playing in the, in, in the house and everything. Roger and Hammerstein all, all the way up through current stuff. Fame was a uh, that was a big deal, right? I, or I mean, obviously, what, what was it the cultural thing that I'm remembering, or was it just a popular thing and kind of everybody moved on? You know, I think it didn't really become a cultural thing until the television series. Okay, which she opted um, out of. Um, I, you know, then that's I was just about to say I was trying to find out did what if she had ever actually been offered the show or not if, i if they, i read somewhere where she said it's she wanted to focus more on her recording yeah she and, i read that she declined it but she did I, I i will say this i don't know if we got to this yet but in 81 i think it was she recorded a sitcom pilot yes called yes. irene that looks like i would have completely watched this that also starred Kay Ballard, which yes. i think that's that's her name who's like hilarious in everything that i've ever seen and except for irene <laughs> Except for Irene. Well, he yeah. said everything he's ever seen. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, which is no, basically, I've, I've seen the pilot of Irene. Oh, have you? Is it is it rough? <laughs> it's it, it's it's pretty terrible. Um, yeah, I, I I love scouring YouTube for pilots that 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 didn't go. I, well, like it was a great I, cast. It was her, Kay Ballard, Teddy Wilson, and then apparently a young Julia Duffy from Newhart. And Keenan Ivory Wayans was in it too. Oh, I don't remember him. Yeah, I don't remember him being in it. That's, um, I, that's apparently what it said. So, yeah. uh, just to, I, I did find it. Yeah, she was nominated for the Grammy for 1980 Best New Artist and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Oh, that's awesome. So, 1980, she, she was nominated for two Oscars, two Grammys, uh, Golden Globe for acting. Yeah. Um. That. That's. That's a. That's a big year. I'm glad yeah. to hear she was nominated for Best New Artist because, you know, I, I I know Christopher Cross won that year, but that year had so many good new artists and they wound up nominating Michael McDonald's wife for like one flop single 
that she had, uh, this woman named Amy Holland, who never did a thing ever again. Like, I don't even know if she ever recorded another album. Um, so I, I'm glad to hear Irene made the cut, whereas like people like The Pretenders and uh, Pat Benatar somehow didn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so then Flashdance comes around. But yeah, you were talking about fame. Let's, so let's go back to the, the, the TV show for a second. Yeah, you know, fame, the movie came out. I, I was too young uh, to, you know, have gone to see it. Um, what, was it a Broadway play first or no? It was just no, a- it was it was a Broadway play after. OK. Yeah. Um, I And so the, the movie came out. It was kind of a disappointment. The soundtrack did well. Um, it was well reviewed. It was nominated for a few Oscars. I think it found a little bit of an audience on cable uh, the next year when HBO like ran the shit out of it. Um, and then in 82, uh, NBC did the television series, which was a flop. Um, it only ran for one season on NBC. Um, but then it got picked up for syndication and became this huge syndicated hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I think, you know, the the reputation of, of fame uh, was really kind of burnished, which is funny because the two couldn't be any different. Fame, the movie, is such a gritty, honest, you know, portrayal of of this set of characters. And Fame, the musical, is just horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I I'm sorry if well, that's there are- that's musicals are pretty good at taking all of the edge and grit and darkness out of a cool story yeah and yeah. um making it very vanilla right yeah yeah i remember I, going I, to see tommy i hate uh-huh. I, I don't musicals are not my thing and my mom took my family to see tommy and i was like all right well you know there's an album that i fucking love and i love the who so if i'm gonna like any musical it'll probably be this one and it's like they took out all the drugs and the sex and the religious undertones and the cult undertones and um, made it very boring. Mm. Did you see it on Broadway or a, or a different production? I saw it on Broadway. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I've never seen the stage version of fame, um, but I did direct it in high school um, <laughs> when I was a senior in high school. But um, you decided not to stick around for the actual performances. You're like, I, I'm out. I, you had something else to do. Yeah. yeah. When I was a senior in high school, I was the I was the student director on the spring musical and it was fame. And uh, I mean, it was like so sanitized. And I know that there have been many other versions. And of course, the this version was the was pre the Broadway version. So I don't know how they necessarily differed, but um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I couldn't imagine that they would have really kept a whole lot of the grit uh, that was in the film. Um, but I think that, um, you know, I, I think the, the reason that fame has endured so much is, is largely because the television show was such a hit. Um, and and was such a, a, a nostalgic uh, pop culture touchstone for a particular generation. Um, I hated it. I, I I I don't really remember watching it as a kid. 
um, like maybe one or two episodes like later in the run. Um, but I tried to revisit it as an adult thinking, oh, it'll be a lot of fun and couldn't even get through like, more than two <laughs> I, I remember watching it a little bit as a kid and I, re- and I remember seeing the, the movie yeah. and just like it was just so because it's one of those things where it's like too close to the original, but just worse. You know what I mean? So it's not even like, oh, we're doing a new thing. It's like because like a lot of the same some of the same cast was in it and which which was weird to me. And but it's just like, oh, you're just selling out now. And this is just a, a weird reboot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very bizarre. So um, so Irene somehow gets involved uh, with the soundtrack for Flashdance. Um, but at the same time, she is also signed with. Uh, a new manager and a, and a new uh, and this manager has a record label called the Network Records and the gentleman's name is Al Corey and um, Network I want to say is part of Polygram but I, I can't remember like I, I should have done more research on this but I'm what's strange is that I'm actually remembering like most of this like when I sat down to write my notes this weekend. I, I I think the only thing I looked up was whether or not Irene had been offered the TV series of fame. Everything else I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. I was like, wow, I sure remember a whole lot more about Irene Cara than I ever would have thought. Um, so um, so she she gets involved in the Flashdance soundtrack. You know, there's only one song, you know, uh, but it's the title track. And uh I remember when the song came out uh, that there was some controversy over just exactly how much she contributed to the writing. Um, but again, when you hear that kind of thing and it's a woman, yeah, you, know, you always wonder, oh, you know, is it, you know, are they are they trying to say this because it's a woman who couldn't possibly, you know, have have contributed anything of value, especially, you know, over, you know, Giorgio Moroder. Now, of course, Giorgio Moroder wasn't saying this. I'm just saying, you know, there was a lot of I remember there was a lot of controversy going on, you know, with, you know, did did Irene actually write anything or and I thought, well, Irene Carr is not exactly Madonna. She can't be throwing her weight around or, you know, or Mariah Carey or Janet Jackson or or Beyonce if we want to talk about the one person who, you know, files her nails and goes, I think um, if you use the word and, um, but if you are, I need writing credit on that. Um, no, I, 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 I'm absolutely certain that, you know, Irene contributed to the song and it was a monster hit. Um from a monster soundtrack and a monster film. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Irene was bigger than she'd ever been. Um, Wait, I, I just like real quick, I'm, I'm just reading the lyrics to Flashdance. And I yeah. like that people were like, there's no way a woman could have come up with take your passion and make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they thought that Irene had had a stunt writer in the vein of how Jennifer Beals had that guy with the mustache dancing <laughs> film when she was doing her audition. Um, you know, actually, uh, I don't know. Alan and Marilyn Bergman came in and, and, and stunt wrote it for her. I don't know. Um, so uh, the film is huge. The song is huge and it winds up winning an Oscar. And Irene is now an Academy Award winner. 
Um, and uh, that year at the Grammys, she won uh, Best Pop Female Vocal uh, for Flashdance at the Grammys, um, which it was the biggest song in that category, but it was kind of a surprise that she won. You know, I, I mean, especially when you consider some of the people that she was up against, especially Linda Ronstadt, who, you know, people just loved giving Grammys to Linda Ronstadt, you know, um, and Linda had done, had kicked off that whole nostalgia thing with recording with the Nelson Riddle Orchestra and doing the old standards. And that was the first time that that had been done, or at least had been done to that kind of success. You know, Linda... Uh, released this album and it was a huge hit. Um, and I think everybody thought that she would win. Um, but Irene wound up uh, getting the Grammy and now she's on the top of the world and she's getting ready to release her, uh, her second album, which is called what a feeling, um, which of course includes flash dance on it, but, uh, includes a few other singles. One, uh, which was just a terrible song called Breakdance. Does anybody yeah. remember Breakdance? I was watching the video if last I, night. If it, and if I remember correctly, is it about breakdancing? <laughs> is it okay? So I do remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just I never liked that song, and, and there were so many better songs on the soundtrack. I mean, on the album, um, she had a couple of other singles that didn't do as well that were released actually before Breakdance. So um, I think the first single off that album was uh, The Dream, which was the soundtrack song for the movie DC Cab. Right, which um, she had, she had which, a part in, right? Yeah, well, she, she played, played herself, herself. I think, right? Yeah, she, I, she got into... I don't know if I don't know if it was Mr. T's cab or if it was the guy from uh, Police Academy who made all the the noises um, or or whose cab it was, but she got into somebody's cab in DC cab who was a big Irene Cara fan. What are the, what are the odds? Yeah, exactly. And I think he like didn't he like I think he in the movie he like did up his cab. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it was like a shrine was, it, to her. Yes. Yeah. It was an Irene Cara themed yeah. cab. Hopefully there were no uh, there were no stills from her um, from her nude scene in, in, fame. in fame. Yeah, just <laughs> imagine imagine like being like you're a tourist and you get in a cab and you think you're hoping that maybe it's cash cab, but then it's Irene Cara cab instead. You're like, yeah. ah, I'm not going to yeah. win any money in this one. Exactly. Um, oh, I was just thinking about the the that that fame scene again. You know, when we were talking about um, about Irene Cara as a gay icon and. I guess there is a little bit of truth to that, because if you get two gay men of a particular generation in a room together and you say fame, they will immediately go into one playing Coco and one playing the pornographer. And we know that scene verbatim <laughs> and we know all the dialogue. We know all the movements. We know how he pretends to speak French to Coco um, you know, très jolie, Coco, très jolie, you know, and she's taking her, her top off and the, the and you know, it, it's missing everything, but the boing, 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 <laughs> you're making, you're making me feel bad, Karen, because now I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have made Chip show me his tits to get this co-host job, but you know, a hundred or so episodes later and you know, <laughs> oh, strong, um, 
but yeah, yeah. So I, I think you may have something there. I think she definitely has her place in the the uh, the gay pantheon um, because we all know that scene. We all treasure it. We all love her for it. Um, so um, so the dream comes out. It's a top twenty single, but you know, no great shakes. And then um, there's another single called "Why Me," which is a really good song. I mean, it's it's kind of rock and. Um, you know, she sounds great on it, but that one also, you know, barely like made it into the top 20. And then I think she actually, I, I'm not sure if they were really intending to release Breakdance as a single, but in 1984, there was that big, like mainstream surgence of breakdancing. Mm -hmm. You know, you had, uh, the movies were successful. You had Breakin'. Yeah, uh, which came out was a big hit. And of course, the the song from that movie, Breakin' by Ollie and Jerry. Um, so breakdance, you know, and and even the biggest thing is like, you know, McDonald's started doing breakdancing in their commercials. I literally was going to say that Ronald McDonald would breakdance. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if McDonald's is doing it in their commercials, then you know that uh, that it has hit these zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so I think they kind of rush released that single and it was a surprise success becoming a top 10 song. Um, and um, after that, Irene was working on her uh, on her new album and she realized that uh, Al Corey and Network had been stiffing her in terms of uh royalties yeah. for her music especially i'm going to assume for flash dance um is you know being a co-writer on it and um she alleged that they owed her close to 10 million dollars which was 40 years ago yeah that's, i mean that's i think a that that's lot of fucking lot. money yeah yeah i mean especially considering that like she didn't sue 10 years later you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like 10 years of accrual of, yeah. of sales and such. It was, I'm going to sue you like a year and a half later. It's like, that's how monster Flashdance was. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So um, she got a terrible reputation in the business and, and she got trashed whether or not it was fair. Um, I mean, in terms of, of uh, I, I think that anytime you you sue, um, you know, people, you know, will say the worst about you and you're you're seen as, you know, oh, you're not playing ball. You're not you know, you're not cooperating with the industry. We don't turn on each other. No, we just fuck each other over. But, we, right. you know, we. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, you know, that that um, that lawsuit went on for quite a while. Um, I think I read almost up, a decade. I think I read. Yeah. She wound up settling, I think, for a million and a half. Like, yeah, years, years yeah. later. Yeah. And the but, album sat on the shelf for a few years and then finally got released. It was called Charismatic. Uh, and it got released in 1987. And boy, was it a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was it was it was really bad. Um, and there was there was, you know, there wouldn't have been I don't know that, you know, had it followed up um, what a feeling in in the proper amount of time um, that it would have done very well. But, you know, she also sued 
uh, because she felt that she had been blackballed in the industry and that when the album did come out, um, people were discouraged from promoting it. Yeah. I don't know how much you can really prove, you know, that kind of thing or it's that kind of thing is, is, is difficult, but um, for all intents and purposes, her recording career after that was over. Um, Now she still had acting to fall back on and she had been appearing in movies. She had a supporting role in the Christmas 84 film city heat with uh, Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood. Um, and uh, more importantly, she starred in the, I believe it was New World Pictures, um, crime thriller, uh, Certain Fury with Tatum O'Neill, where um, she does another nude scene. And I will say that uh, they hold up a lot better there <laughs> um, than they did in Fame. So if you're, if, you, if you're very curious about looking at a naked Irene Cara, uh, Ken, yeah. I would try finding certain fury certain now have, fury. Either, have you seen certain fury no no i don't i've never even heard of it Woo! boy what a dog that is but it, it has to be seen to be believed um even watching the trailer is a hoot because the trailer advertises it as academy award winner tatum uh, academy award winner irene cara and it's like hmm Tatum O'Neill won an Oscar when she was 10 for a performance that was largely put together in the editing room. And she has, you know, and from then has proven, you know, proven that she was one of the worst actresses in the business. (laughs) And Irene Cara won an Oscar for co-writing a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly, you know, that you're going to wind up uh, seeing some, some major uh, thespian antics in this one. Well, listen, they used to do that with uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, right? You'd see Academy Award winner all over. And it was like, all right, you, they wrote a screen, like it wasn't an acting thing. No, no. But uh, you know, Hey, wait, wait a shit on that uh, for me there. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you have to see Certain Fury. So Certain Fury is basically a an updated female version of the Defiant Ones. Um, Irene and Tatum play petty thieves um, or petty criminals, I should say. I don't. I think one of them was brought in on a on a, a theft charge and one on a prostitution charge, and they're brought into uh, night court for arraignment, and they are. I think uh, handcuffed together or all of like, like all the women, like there's like this chain of, of women who have all done like petty crimes who are brought into the court to be arraigned. And during the arraignment, uh, somebody comes in and uh, shoots somebody else for some other thing that's going on and all hell breaks loose. And uh, Irene and Tatum wind up handcuffed together on the lam. Um, and are being pursued both by the police who think that they have something to do with this uh, with this assassination and the person who actually shot the the person because they can identify him. And so they're running around town handcuffed to each other, um, fighting with each other, sniping with each other um, and getting naked apart from each other. Um, it so it's is- basically Toy Story is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. Uh, it is. So it is, I, I want to say, except for like some voice roles, I think it's Irene's uh, cinematic swan song. Okay. Um, and, but it is, it is worth tracking down um, for sure. I'll watch anything set in New York in the eighties though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. And then you kind of don't hear about her for quite a while. Um you know, she went through uh, a bad divorce, I think. And, uh, you know, she was still fighting uh, that lawsuit, uh, which was eventually settled. Um, but I think wound up costing her more money in legal fees uh, than she probably wound up getting. Um, and her career, for all intents and purposes, was kind of over until uh, the mid-aughts, where she was sort of revived for a hot minute. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if either of you remember the summer series that was on NBC called Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yes. Um, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. So Hit Me Baby One More Time was a reality slash game show um, where they got uh, legacy acts to come on every week and um, mostly from the 80s, uh, and perform two songs. One was like uh, a different kind of version of their own hit. And then the second one was a current hit by, uh, you know, uh, a, a current artist. Um, and they would do like six of them a week and they would compete against each other and they would have a winner. And Irene came on um and she was promoting this new girl group that she had put together called Hot Caramel. And um, I don't know if I was just, you know, completely like not paying attention, but I think it took me quite a while to understand. Oh, Hot Caramel. Yeah, I didn't get it until you yeah. just did that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's clever. Um, but I remember her coming on. I want to say she was week three or week four. And she was good, but she had a really stank attitude on the episode. And I just remember being really turned off by it. Um, and she won her week. Um, but the, the the show did well in the ratings, but the, I, I can understand why it didn't came back, come back. There was really nothing to it. I, they had a UK version first, and the UK version was... They would play, and then I think uh, every week one artist would win, and then they would put all of those winners together. And the winner of the final uh, episode would get um, the single, would, would get the, the the new song that they had recorded released as a single. Um, so that's the skin here, of the game. Yeah, but here it was like, oh, you get $20,000 for you know your favorite charity. And it's like, favorite charity... These people haven't made money in, in, <laughs> yeah. in their, their favorite charity. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, Jesus. You know, if I was like Howard Jones or Wang yeah. Chung, I'd be like, um, you know, fuck the thalidomide babies. I have bills to pay. <laughs> you think Corey Feldman is a favorite charity? <laughs> Just pay them. Um, and I think, you know, I think everybody, though, had that 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 good attitude of, you know, oh, we're playing for charity, la, la, la. You know, we're going to pretend that, you know, we're not all destitute ourselves. But Irene Cara was like all business. She was like, I got a group to, to promote. Uh, fuck charity. You know, and, and she was just really pushy about it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but she did wind up winning. And then they never did a final episode where like all the winners came together and, and competed against each other. So it was kind of like, nobody really gave a shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought Wang Chung should have won anyway. They did a great version of hot in here by Nelly. That really (laughs) amazing. Um, I can't remember what, what, uh, contemporary song, uh, hot caramel sang. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember. Um, and then, you know, and then that was kind of it. She moved to Florida and I know she had been trying to get hot caramel to happen. I have no idea if, you know, hot caramel was kind of like um, the peaches from Peaches and Herb, where mm-hmm. you know, Herb just would replace the peaches every, you know, every few years if she got out of line or needed more money. I mean, I think Herb had like five different peaches. I, know, um, I never knew that. Now- was she singing in hot caramel or was she yes. just like, no, she was. she was that that's a good question because when I remember when she fi- when she first came on the show, she was acting like this big impresario and you were like, Oh, is she presenting these girls? That's, is it like that's what the album says. Yeah. If is you, it like Rick James if, presenting Mary Jane girls? If you mm-hmm. click on, if you click on the album, I was, I was actually listening to it last night. It's, Irene Cara presents hot yeah. caramel. Yeah. Uh, and then by you, the way, and I'm just look, I'm looking back to and her her album charismatic is yeah. also charismatic. Right. It's she's she's really getting a lot of uh, mileage out of that name. She really is. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, I'm looking it up right now, uh, which I don't know this one. Um, she sang Flashdance on that show. And then the contemporary one was. I'm out of love by Anastasia. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm out of love by Anastasia. Yeah, that that song at that point had been like five years old. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't super contemporary. Um, There was. Um, I I was listening to that hot caramel last night. I sent I sent Kieran the link. They actually do a version of um, "Life in the Fast Lane" by the Eagles. Okay. It was it was a little cheesy, but it wasn't bad. It was yeah, actually I, it was, better I, I than I expected. It, yeah, uh, yeah By the it way, was better than I expected too. That same episode uh, that Irene Cara was on, Cameo, uh, also was on and did Word Up. And Ken, do you know what their contemporary hit was? Nineteen eighty five by Bowling for Soup. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I wonder if those episodes. That was like the best time for reality television, like the early to mid aughts, when Mm -hmm. like everybody was looking to find the next survivor, and they just threw any concept at the wall that would stick, hoping something stick. And you had all these one season reality shows that were just horrendous. Um, Yes, but so much fun. There, Uh, there was one called Bands on the Run. On yes, I remember that one. That That was great. And then I I remember the uh, the. Joe Joe Millionaire was the one where they had the fake millionaire, the dating show, which I thought was great. Yeah, there was each one also had another really good one uh, called Bands Reunited. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, would they get them back together and try to? Yes. Yes. That was a great reality show. I really enjoyed. Yeah. For a while there, each one was 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 the shit for for reality shows. Remember that? And then for just like there was just a three year period where all VH1 did was like show those like it was like the top 100 whatever and it would be like four or five episodes of like the top 100 videos of all time or the best songs of the 80s yeah and you would just you would not watch anything else and you would just sit there for hours yes. yeah. yeah no absolutely um 
So, you know, uh, Irene moved to Florida and, uh, you know, she it had been kind of quiet. I didn't realize that she was still, you know, trying to get hot caramel out there. I I, I sent that um, that video that you sent me uh, of their uh, singing Life in the Fast Lane. I sent it to a couple of friends of mine. We had been talking about Irene and um, the first friend texted back and said, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. And my second friend texted back and she said, it's not good at all. Either. <laughs> <laughs> that about that about sizes it up. Yeah, it, um, it, I guess it was. It was better than I thought it would be. No, it, it yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I agree. So. With you. Yeah, I agree with you. It was better than I thought it would was too. if it had been better produced. Like I would have loved to have heard like a better, more expensive, um, you know, um, more quality production. Yeah. You you could not fault the vocals. No, no. Um, the the Yeah. The production was a little cheesy. The guitar was a little cheesy. Yeah. But. And she sounded great, you know, yes. and, you know, and you hear that voice and you go, my God, um, boy, you know, for all the shit that happened to her. And all the the bad career moves and the the you know the attitude and the drugs and uh, what have you, it's a real shame that all of that happened and deprived us of more of that voice. Yeah, yeah, it was, was a, it was an amazing voice. She had an amazing yeah, voice. It's really wonderful. I mean, I think the last thing that she did was you know I, I think it was the late nineties or the early aughts. She was on tour. Uh, playing Mary Magdalene in one of the million fucking tour uh, versions of Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, there is a horrible story. And now, and I am going to preface it with saying that as far as I know, this is apocryphal. So I'm not, you know, so we should also say that, you know, the the title of this episode ought to be alleged, you know, <laughs> alleged, the Irene Cara story. Um, yeah. You know, because we have, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that we don't have, you know, absolute proof of. But the story goes that Irene was abusing drugs so much, was abusing cocaine so much that at one point she was on stage during a performance of Jesus Christ Superstar. And she was singing, I don't know how to love him and sneezed. And her septum blew out of her nose and flew across the stage because it had been so worn out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and you know what? I believe. Yeah, I do. I believe it. And I think it's a fabulous story. Yes. Um, and if it's wrong, I don't want it. To, I don't I don't want to be right. Or no, no. Yeah, no, it's, no. it's a great story. And I, I, you know, not that I'm advocating a drug abuse or anything like that, but. But um, if you're going to do it, like be, exactly. be good at it. Exactly. Yes. And if you're going to do it, you should do it during a performance of I don't know how to love him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why the fuck wouldn't you do it? Like, how how do, how do you yeah. do Jesus Christ Superstar night in, night out without? Exactly. Yeah, especially opposite Dennis DeYoung, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He was playing Conscious Pilot in that, uh, in that tour. My God, I would have hoovered up anything white within a mile radius if I had to be on stage with Dennis DeYoung every night. She, this is what I would do if I was Irene Karras. I'm singing, I don't know how to love you. I love him. Uh, you sneeze out your septum. There's just a gasp and a silence. You, the only thing you do is go right into breakdance. That's, that's exactly what you do. <laughs> hit, hit it, boys. Oh. <laughs> 
on that oh. note. Yes. Um, I think we've said all there is to say about Irene Cara, um, except that, yeah, a 63 is way too early to go. And um, but thanks, Irene, for all the good music and uh, happy to see that she has been remembered so fondly uh, this past week, um, you know, in in her death. Um, And uh, I hope that if you are not familiar with Irene, that you will go seek out her music, um, seek out her titty scenes, and mm-hmm. and seek out certain fury because it is a howler. But yeah, no, that sounds like yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I want to thank you uh, both for uh, allowing me to come in and and guest host. Uh, and uh, by, by the way, I have to say, uh, Ken. Uh, you, you know, you're like we'll go back and forth, and you know, and Ken's always so good about getting guests and getting topics and everything and and he'll come in, he's like hey i got this guy that wants to do this thing or like hey how about we you know i don't know you know look look at research whatever and the other day he texted me i think he called me and he was like hey i was just talking to kieran and he wants to i was like yes i didn't, I didn't even hear irene Cara. i was like okay yeah done well i honestly when i when i was talking to you uh last weekend or, or whenever it was and i didn't hear back from you i thought Oh, they, they don't want to do that. And I'm not going to push it. Um, so, you know, don't ever feel obligated if I come up with an idea where you're both. No, like, your other well, idea, I think we got to get I you just, back on soon because your other idea well, yeah, was the I, Partridge family, which I think would yeah. make uh, yeah. hilarious. Partridge family. So and I also I, totally be down for the best new artist shit. I, I wrote that oh, down because that, that be was a, literally, I made a note as you're talking to call Ken later to, to yeah. set that up best new artist. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we should do Partridge family and best new artists. Those are two yeah. great awesome. topics. That's yeah. awesome. But uh, no, I there was there was some stuff that had been going on with me uh, recently. And I like was like having to like be in a place where like I could just like listen to podcasts. And so I got a chance to catch up. I was telling Ken, I had a chance to catch up on some of the episodes of yours that I had missed. And I was like, oh, man, I really miss those guys. I would, I would, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood to come back and then boom, I heard from you. And it was, it was, it was just weird. It was weird timing and it was good. Um, you know, and I always love listening to your show and it was good to be able to, to sort of catch up on it. So well, anyway, we always you. love having and you on. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you let's back do Partridge soon. and, and, uh, and best new artist uh, soon. Did that you, uh, have, have you happened to, uh, did you hear last week's interview with Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses? No, the last one I listened to was the one with Rick Allen. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Matt Sorum, I think, uh, is my new favorite. That that dude had the absolute greatest stories. Oh, that's uh, that yeah. one I do want to listen yeah. to for sure. Yeah, um, I might. Let, let's just say he almost sang Breakdance a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. Okay, all right, I'm in. I'm absolutely in. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much, um, and uh, I look forward to coming on and, and hanging out again. Uh, always have a great time with you guys. Yes, come on sure. and get happy, as they say. <laughs> Chip, you got anything you want to? Um, yeah, just follow me at Chip Chantry on Twitter at on Hive Social because that's a oh, thing now is that, that what I'm you trying. Did it? Yeah, it's it seems like it's it's a very cool like Twitter it, seems it's like similar. it's starting to get like kind of fun now, though. Right. Like there's nothing. I know. So I so I think Twitter's getting fun again, but uh, <laughs> I, I jumped to I'm it's still such, on. It's but, such uh, a yeah, fucking it's, 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 a, it's a great time. Uh, so, yeah. And um, I'll be actually uh, for any listeners uh, on. Actually, let me get let me get the dates. I, sh- I should have this in front of me because I am going to be uh, on the road a little bit in December 
on December 10th, I'm going to be December 9th, uh, Friday, December 9th. I'm going to be in Indianapolis at Helium. December 10th, I'm going to be at St. Louis Helium. Uh, and then December 18th, I'm going to be at Buffalo Helium uh, with my buddy Daryl Charles. We're doing we're doing kind of a quick run out there. So uh, check check me out there. Uh, how about you, Kenneth? Um, you can come see me. Uh, December, I got a couple good dates. I am uh, Friday, December 23rd. I'm headlining Laugh It Up Poughkeepsie. Uh, Wednesday, December 28th, I will be headlining my home club, my favorite club in the world, uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Nice. Do you guys dress like festively at this time of the year when you when you go on stage? I mean, like, do you wear like a Christmas sweater or a jingle hat or, you know, a candy cane or things like that? I, uh, I, I bought new sneakers the other day. Uh, <laughs> does that count? <laughs> Chips, like I got some new New Balance. Dad yeah. uh, but hey, th- and by the way, let's just say they're not new balances. All right. They're Sacconi or so- so- however you say this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not new balances. Uh, unless they're a sponsor, then yay, new balance. Yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, I will say, speaking of festive, let me because why not use my thing to try to make a little bit of money? Uh, uh, I uh, myself and Blake Wexler and our buddy Daryl Charles are doing uh, if you are lo- if you're a listener out there and you are looking for a. holiday party entertainment like a like you need like an office holiday party we will come and do your do comedy at your office holiday party either in person or on zoom we've been doing the last few years and uh we've been having a lot of fun so we do so and i will dress festively i do dress a little festively for those i'll throw a jacket on but yeah we do we do we have a lot of fun we'll do uh we did a lot of those zoom parties like when you know nobody could go anywhere now so many people are still just working remotely that we do these like zoom happy hours and hey i'll sell out and make some money and they're they're actually a lot of fun so uh so yeah karen how about you how about you where, where can people find you uh, you know, uh, I'm just going to say that Joe Bryth AD is still continuing uh, to play on Peacock. Um, so check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, and it is on the free tier, so you don't even have to spend money to subscribe. Um, and uh, I'm I'm on Twitter, I guess, although since baseball season's been over, I have barely been posting, but I'm on uh, Twitter at, at Joe Bryth Doc. Um, so come say hello there. Um, and uh, yeah. That's about it for right now. Me and my nerd friends were just, uh, we, you know, we always sent like list back like of our favorite whatever. And we made a top five list favorite documentaries of all time, like music or otherwise, like favorite docs of all time. Joe Bryant AD uh, made the top my top five favorite uh, of oh, all time. Yeah, so, uh, that. That's nice. So everybody should go, go, yes. go watch that. Yeah. If you're a listener and you haven't uh, seen Joe Bryant AD, uh, go to Peacock, watch it for free. It was um I've seen a lot of rock documentaries in my life, and and this was uh, this was right up there with the best and most interesting. And the thing that I loved most about it was it was a story I didn't know anything about. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Kieran. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank Thanks late. for having us on, Kieran. Thank you for uh, having us. My Hopefully pleasure. We didn't fuck it up too bad. <laughs> I think we did Irene proud. <laughs> yes. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>